The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Winsbow Fantasy, episode 65. We've got a uh, post-All-Star break show here with a lot of actionable advice, looking at strength of schedule, different matchups to exploit, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Steve, uh, how was the All-Star break? Did you catch any of it? Talk to me about the Derby. How are we doing over there? Yeah, it was good. Uh, better than I thought. Um, the, the Derby, ever since they switched to the bracket and time limit format, has just been a home run uh, for your bad pun of the show. Uh, it, it, it's really been great. Uh, I know we, we jump on MLB for doing seemingly everything sort of wrong, but uh, they really nailed this this home run derby format. It, it's been great. Um you know, Julio Rodriguez just put on an absolute show, even though he didn't even win. It, it seems like that's always the case, right? Like, remember Hamilton, Josh Hamilton at Yankee yeah. Stadium? Yeah. Who won that year? It. He, like, gave him the trophy at the end. Was it, was it, was it Justin Morneau that won that yeah, year, Yeah, it was. I think? It was. Yeah, You're right. yeah, You're right. yeah. Um, but it, there's always a guy that doesn't win that always puts on a performance, but it, it doesn't really matter. It, it was cool that, you know, Alonzo was going for the three-peat, but the, the Derby's been great. Um, the All-Star game, I mean, they got to figure out a way to not make it a 3-2 game. I mean, it's so hard when you have, like, the best pitchers in the league just going out there for, like, their bullpen day and just going at 110%, uh-huh. right? Like, how are they, like how is it not going to be a 3-2 game? Like, there, there needs to be something tweaked. I don't have the answer, but that's a whole other show that we could sort of uh, tweak the All-Star game. But uh, overall, it's pretty good, but... I'm bored, man. Like uh, we were just talking before we get started, it was sluggish. I, I think it's because we're we're missing actual baseball games. But thankfully, um, there's only this one day off Wednesday, and then when the show comes out, there'll actually be games too. Uh, I think that's probably because of the condensed schedule with the lockout, right? Like there's usually uh, two or three days after that All Star break game uh, for for off days but it's kind of nice this condensed schedule there's there's less off days i've noticed that for sure yeah we're jumping back in i think it was an all-time low for me on the phantom uh lineup check where you like pull open the app and you're like well my guy's doing and and then you get depressed and you know you know you start getting the itch because that's kind of how we roll but 
Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't as painful as years past, so I, I agree with that, but ready to get back into action for sure. But thank you guys for joining us post-break. We're kind of on the home stretch here from strategy, tactics, gaining an advantage, uh, and we appreciate you guys joining us from here through the end of the season, and then we continue on in the offseason as well. But you guys can follow us, if you don't already, on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. Actually saw today, Steve. I have six 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 followers, so nice. you know I, I think I might need one more to just get the juju right for second half. <laughs> uh, Steve is at Stav eight eight one eight, and of course follow at Pitcherlist Pods for all the awesome podcasts that come out on the main feed here. You guys can email us whenever winsabovefantasy at gmail Happy to take any you know personal lineup questions or conundrums that you're in. And talk about them on the show. And, of course, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcasts. Throw us a, a review. would be greatly appreciated. But, Steve, housekeeping out of the way, uh, we got a great topic here with matchups to target for second half. And you know this is a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Oh, yeah. uh, this is the second season we've looked into this. What are What are your thoughts about kind of this I don't know if we're going to call it like 75% of the way through fantasy seasons. I know it kind of depends on format, but it's that time of year where you're looking for any edge and looking at opponents is is one extra thing you can kind of consider. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, man, uh, you're always on top of this, and I, I got to give you uh, a credit. Like It's something that I think is underlooked uh, I, I guess to make up a word, uh, you know, or it's not paid enough attention to, um, to speak English there, um, especially in season, because right, like we now have this sample of games, like a, a you know, fifty-five percent of the season, whatever it is, and we know who to target, and we could do that longer term. Uh, I think the All Star break is a great time to regroup and target these these teams and that have you know okay this team's facing a bunch of teams with bad pitching staffs in the second half like uh that waiver wire you know it's a good tiebreaker for for waiver wire ads for for trades um and it, and it can be more than that because uh, you know you know a team that plays oakland nine times is going to have an advantage over the the team that plays you know in the NL East where it's a dogfight with everyone in that division. Right. Um, so, you know, props to you. You're always on top of this. And, you know, we did a nice little deep dive here. Uh, we got a little granular, looked at not only the teams that have been bad on the year as far as uh, offense and, and pitching wise, but also the last 30 days. So um, you can get even more granular with that and see, what's changed and, and who's gotten worse, right? Like, you know, uh, the angels, when they started off 21 and 19 or, 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 you know, 25 and 19 are a lot different than when they're now like 30 and 50, right? Like, uh, things change and the 30 days might be a little more reflective. And if they cross over, I think, uh, could be even more helpful, right? Like if they are bad and then worse recently, um, it's something to even take advantage of more. So, uh, it's something that's not talked about enough. I know there's articles like who to start, who to sit, and um, strength of schedules and things like that, but it, it's an underutilized tool for fantasy purposes to look at actual matchups and not just the next seven days, but for the whole season because you know the, 
with with division play, like there can be a, a, a skew in the schedule, and and some teams might have a a lot easier route. And for fantasy purposes, it could be a huge advantage uh, if you know where to where to place your eggs in in what baskets. Yeah, and it's a topic I can't. I mean, obviously, take. Uh too much credit for him yeah it's, it's sorry right. we, we, yeah, yeah it's, we didn't invent it yeah right it's but. looking at schedules but I, I i think i recall two or three seasons ago when because i enjoy listening to uh fantasy baseball today over at cbs as well nice podcast shout out to frank stample who was on the show but prior to frank adam azer was the host and i remember one year azer dropped in like mid-july that I think it was like Mike Clevenger or the Indians, uh, some, somebody on the Indian staff, maybe it's Plesak or something, and he was talking about just the remaining matchups. And when you hear them one after another, and they're all just like great target matchups, to me it's almost like I think it goes beyond a tiebreaker. And the, the example that on the flip side of the coin that I come back to is like Zach Gallen, who prior to this season – you know, I I had rostered him for every inning he had pitched, and I was super pumped about Gallon and bought in and everything. And then I would like played out, you know, every fifth game for his starts, and it was like at the Dodgers, at the Rockies, at the Dodgers, at the Padres, and I was like, man, this is like a gauntlet for especially for like head-to-head playoff leagues where you really can't afford that you know, that matchup where you're you're trying to protect ratios and you see, like, your SP4 yeah. is just, like, got a two-star week against the Astros and the Yankees or something. Like, we talk about it all the time, right? Like, oh, it, it's it, that was an obvious sit, right? Like, uh, you know, um, your, your SP3 or 4 in cores is a clear sit, right? Like, you're not going to start Alex Wood in cores. But, like, right. if you have a playoff matchup in a head-to-head league, like, what do you, you like? Volume. You sit, yeah, you sit them, but like that—that's such a huge factor, right? You, like especially you head it, to head. Yeah, you got to do it, and yeah. Yeah. you know, it's one thing. I, I think when you're in SP one to SP five mode, especially looking this far out, there's enough time where you can still kind of buy low, or, or or maybe you know give a little bit of a discount on an underperforming pitcher to, to try to acquire like a good run of matchups. But then when you get to like the back of your rotation, that's where it becomes even more important of like, you know, there, there are guys that, that go on runs. I mean, uh, you know, the example, and I kind of was on the other side of this preseason hindsight 2020, but if we remember Ranger Suarez last year, just was lights out with like a 0.5 ERA or something ridiculous over his last 10 starts. And those starts were Marlins, Cubs, like just a lineup of cushy matchups. And then, you know, it's not to put too much stock in it. And I don't mean to talk out of both sides of my mouth, but yes, there are times where you say Kikuchi will throw lights out against the Astros and you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. And yes, there are times where Shane Bieber gets blown up by the Cubs. So you can't put, you know, everything into it. But when we walk through some of these these teams on this show, because we're talking, Steve, about, you know, breaking down the weak hitting teams, the weak pitching teams, and then looking at potential targets, some of these are just glaring where you're like, holy smokes, man, you get the 
Oakland A's and the Royals for four out of six series. And th- yeah. that's the other thing is not just looking at remaining games from now to the end of the season, but also the next six or seven matchups. If you're in a team with a six-team playoff and you're in 11th place, you might need to be looking now at some of those cushy matchups to, you, you know, you can't sit around and wait. You can't stash a young pitcher or somebody on the IL. You need results quickly. So even if it's like a Taylor Hearn, if you know that they're getting fantastic matchups, that can be worth being your SP7 and just getting you some innings and not exploding your ratios, hopefully. So, yeah, I think pretty pretty self-explanatory, but wanted to give some background on the topic. Anything else to add, Steve, before we uh, kind of jump in? No, um, or yes, one one quick thing. I know this wasn't our process for how we built this rundown, but uh, a quick little cheat sheet. Um, if you go to on Fangraphs the standings and then a standings tab and then the 2022 projected standings, um, it, there's a lot of playoff odds and stuff and like projected win losses. But there's also a strength of schedule uh, column that has uh, the team's strength of schedule uh, remaining. So like you know, the Orioles, the remaining teams that they're facing have a combined winning percentage of 516, right? Um, but it has that for every team. So a quick little cheat sheet, like if you just want to look at either pitchers or hitters, is you look at their remaining strength of schedule. You could sort by it and, and, and see who has you know the, the stronger schedules remaining and, and the weak ones. And like things that are glaring are like the White Sox have a remaining 470 strength of schedule. Um, you know, the um, Cardinals have a 482 remaining strength of schedule. So like it's just a barometer to say like, hey, these teams are playing mostly bad teams. So um, it, it's a quick little cheat sheet. Um, if you're, you know, doing that sort of tiebreaker, deciding who to pick up, uh, you know, for like a longer term ad or throwing in a trade or something, it's just uh, another quick little thing you could check. Um, that's a nice tool over there at Fangraphs uh, to, to, to see who's got more or less better matchups than other teams going forward. Yeah, that's a great note, and we uh, we can link that up in the show notes as well, um, just so people can get there easier. Probably a nice little thing for some uh, futures bets as well, Steve, if that's your cup of tea. You got any? Uh, I, I, I don't have anything placed this season. Usually, I get <laughs> I have, on some player over unders for like the full season props, but uh, I, no, I have no so, action. I have so many. Um, I just put in like w- right before the season started. I just put in a, a bunch of uh, futures bets. Uh, you know, like rookie of the year, uh, home run leaders, uh, Cy Youngs. Uh, I, I I definitely have a McClanahan Cy Young, which uh, I'm hoping will cash. Uh, okay, but we'll humor see. me, humor me real quick, because my my buddy reached out to me for for advice on this one. He, he bought in on a uh, NL Rookie of the Year, Michael Harris, right out of the gate. And it was like 50 to win 4,000 or something ridiculous. And now the, the, they're trying to do the, the cash out for like a grand. And I, I looked at it and I was like, man, like you got Spencer Strider and then Michael Harris. And then after that, it's like O'Neill Cruz, Seiya Suzuki, Nolan Gorman. And I was like... It's there's so much baseball to be played. I it, I feel like Harris. It it feels like it should be a cash, but then I look at the rest of the list and I'm like, dude, he's rock solid. 
all the underlying numbers. Acuna should get hotter, and he's hitting right behind him. I didn't know. I didn't know how to advise on that one to hit, take a little quick detour. <sighs> yeah, um, I don't know. I, who's the odds on favorite right now? Is it is it, is it Strider? Strider, Strider yeah, is, I, is like I a would, plus one seventy. Harris is a plus two hundred. I, I would think so. Um, and I'm still. I, I would still lean that way. Um, it'd be hard for me to talk you out of um, out of cashing that. Uh, but I mean, Harris, the odds aren't that that far behind. He's plus two ten. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Um, and if Strider but, got hurt or something, anyway. I yeah, mean, I just or if they or out. if they start to limit his innings, you know, they don't like limit the innings for for a position player or anything like that. So that's something to consider too. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, Harris had a three stolen based game the other day. Like it's yeah. just, it's just insane what he's doing. He is supremely talented skipping from double a it's crazy. Oh dude. Yeah. How, how he's good he's be been. So much fun to watch that lefty swing. It can't get enough of it. All yeah. right. So yeah. Detour over Steve. Why don't you start us off, uh, by, by talking about the, the weakest hitting teams, uh, that we've seen, this season and then maybe i can go through the past 30 days here yeah i mean it's not gonna be surprising like the the how i came up with this list is i just went to fan graphs went to teams and team statistics and sorted by wrc plus and did it in reverse um and the list of teams are not going to be surprising uh from worst to 10th worst it's oakland detroit pittsburgh cincinnati arizona Colorado, Angels, Royals, Nationals, Baltimore. Um, so teams that are bad are also bad at hitting. Uh, to have some breaking news there. Um, yeah, but, the only one that jumps out is like the Angels because yeah. you just think of Otani and Trout, but then the rest of that lineup, it's just like, oof. I mean, having a lot of shares of Otani, I've watched a lot of Angels games and just liking Otani and Trout in general. I watch a lot of Angels games. Also, having a kid, I watch a lot of West Coast baseball games. The bottom half of that lineup is just so, so bad. Like, they claim Jonathan VR, and he's their everyday leadoff hitter. Uh, That's how how bad it is. Uh, It's just laughably bad. Like, the, the... they have absolutely no chance other than Trout and Otani. Like it's insane. Like that one game versus the Royals. Like Otani hit three, two, three run homers, and you know had like eight RBIs, and like they still, they lost. still lost. Like it, yeah. yeah, it was insane. And then the next day they won because he went out and threw like seven shutout innings. But they basically only win when he pitches. So that just goes to show how how bad it is there. And like I know like the baseball world is caught up in in soto rumors now because doesn't look like they're gonna get a deal done now they're mm-hmm. looking to trade him but otani's a free agent after 2024 and I, I i think that might be the next big name that's gonna get talked about as far as like you know he wants to go and, and win and the angels just can't get out of their own way and Artie moreno is one of the worst owners in sports um so I, I'm wondering how far away if we're like a calendar year away from a, from, from from that sort of noise. But sorry, that's yeah. another detour. Yeah, yeah. The the Angels are bad, and they to segue here that they've been the worst team by WRC plus over the last thirty days. 
behind them is Oakland. Um, then you got the Marlins, the Reds, the Phillies, kind of post Bryce Harper, despite Schwarber kind of carrying the weight there. Uh, the Nationals, the Padres need Tatis Jr. back more than ever. They're on this list of kind of uh, bottom six, seven teams uh, in the past 30 days. And then the Tigers, the Pirates, and the D-backs. So, again, kind of your usual suspects. There. The Phillies are really surprising for me there. Um, that's kind of a, a one that jumps off the page to me. I don't know yeah, Castellanos, you, Castellanos is really just not yeah, figuring it with, out. Yeah, and, and without Harper... And as hot as Schwarber gets, like if you look at his like last seven days, it's like an eighty percent strikeout rate. So like you know, yeah, that, you don't that, want to rely that comes on and goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then but, yeah, we talked about Real Mutos just yeah. kind of you know lackluster. So I know you're right though with that ballpark, and you just kind of chalk up the Phillies as like a, you know a bat heavy team and Derek Hall and all that stuff. But yeah, a lot of volatility there, a lot of strikeouts in that lineup. Um, so let's jump, Steve, to basically make that actionable. So as we've talked about the worst hitting teams, let's talk about some pitching that we can target based on that. And to start, the, the Texas Rangers is a team that we, we mentioned just a minute ago with uh, Taylor Hearn, but they have in the remaining schedule nine games against Oakland, Eight against the Angels, three against the Tigers. Now their upcoming matchups are the Athletics, the Mariners, the Angels, the Orioles, the White Sox, Houston, and then the Mariners. So the Mariners, I know they're coming in 14 game winning streak into All-Star break. They're still not quite a lineup to me, and maybe it's just foolish on my part that I'm like, you know, I'm not petrified when I have a pitcher going up against the Mariners. Maybe I should be, Steve. I mean, Julio Rodriguez, uh, Carlos Santana has has been much better joining the team, and they've got, you know, Winker could still be coming around. But overall, when I look at this and it's like Athletics, Mariners, Angels, Orioles, the White Sox have been struggling. you got to expect they'll turn it around a little bit. But overall, the, the nine games against the A's is really what you're targeting here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And your boy Suarez on the Mariners have been has been uh, been better too, um, as far as power and just an overall bounce back season. But the problem with the Rangers is that the pitchers that you would stream are just not good. Right. Like outside of Martin Perez, like there's really not much. And John Gray, obviously, Gray, John Gray's yeah. been great. Um, but the guys that are available that you would go after so for trade purposes sure you know maybe someone's not believing in martin perez and they want to sell high or, or cash in and saw what happened in the second half last year with him but maybe there's a much more cushier landing for him this year that that could steer you towards targeting him um same with gray it could be a similar sort of sell high attitude um but as far as the streaming options it's like glenn otto spencer howard like Glenn Otto in 61 two-thirds innings this year has a 17.4% strikeout rate and a 12.6% walk rate. Like, it does not get much worse than that. Like, uh, mm-hmm. his his ERA is at 540, and the underlyings are basically agreeing with all of that. So it's it's not been good. 
Um, Spencer Howard, I, I, I've always been a fan. I, I, I love that changeup coming up. I, I, I'm a sucker for Spencer Howard. Um, I even streamed him against the A's last week, and it wasn't that bad. It was like six innings, but there was only like one strikeout and like two runs. Um, but I, I would I would start Howard basically against those three matchups that you talk about, Oakland, L.A., and Detroit. So um, hard to find like a long-term stream, like a long-term hold there. Yeah. Um, but – you know Howard in those matchups, uh, I'd be interested. He was a lot better in AAA this year, a thirty percent strikeout rate and a nine point seven percent walk rate. So uh, a nice bounce back after what was a, a pretty disastrous uh, tenure with Philly, uh, both in the minors and at the major league level uh, in twenty twenty one. So keep an eye on Howard. If if he puts together a good start or two, then there's going to be additional matchups against the A's as you get like deeper into August and everything. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's kind of a waste of a, a good pitching uh, strength of schedule from here on in. Now, Houston, on the other hand, it's kind of a problem on the other side where most pitchers in the rotation for Houston are already rostered almost universally. But there might be a little opportunity here, Steve. And the matchups are very favorable. They have nine Games left against Oakland, three against the Tigers, six against the Angels. So similar division matchups like the Rangers. Um, the, the upcoming games are, they, they'll have one against the Yankees tomorrow as you guys are listening to this. And then they got the Mariners, the A's, the Mariners, the Red Sox, and then Cleveland, Texas, and Oakland. So kind of a nice back half of that. And, and I guess it's worth noting as well that they also have eight games against the Rangers. That's not the best offense in the league. So what are your thoughts on, on the Astros, Steve? Any any streamers or anything that really jumps off the page here from, from the Astros' side? Uh, um, Odorizzi has been available. Uh, I recently picked him up in a 14-team league. Um, two 14-team leagues, actually. So uh, I like that. Um, I know there's going to be even more of a rotation crunch to doing the six man now um but when mccullers comes back um i guess that's a, a can be more of an if rather than a when even though mccullers is out on a rehab assignment i think this weekend um but odorizzi also isn't a model of health too but um I, I don't know how they would move javier back to the the bullpen he's got like 113 strikeouts on like 78 innings you it's can't. just absolutely yeah, it's can't. absolutely absolutely insane how, how good he's been um but I, I would definitely look to add those two and hold on to um you know all astros pitchers uh, i know they're probably going to want to give verlander a little bit of a break um who knows javier was in the bullpen they could also skip him in a spot or two um so uh I, I would be generally trying to buy all the Astros starters I could, and maybe the fact that there is some scare that there's a rotation crunch provides that buying opportunity. Um, but, you know, the Astros have some of the best pitching and, and best pitching development and pitch coaching in, in the league, and then now couple that with one of the better schedules um, in the second half as far as the weak offenses that they're facing, like, I, I love it. I'm, I'm glad that I have uh, as many Astros starters as I do. Yeah, and McCullers is is probably going to have 
a handful, probably four minor league appearances to kind of build yeah. up. I do think McCullers would be a really savvy IL stash if you have the availability there. He's still just like 52% rostered in Yahoo leagues, whereas Odorizzi is kind of the one to, to go after in the meantime, just 40% rostered. But yeah, I agree, Steve. There's some sneaky opportunity if they want to rest Javier for the playoffs or Verlander um, or just for other injuries that might pop up. But yeah, that's, you know, nine against Oakland, eight against Texas, six against LA, Angels. I think that's uh, definitely a good one to target. And then the last one is probably the, the biggest one, and it's the White Sox. So the Sox schedule from here is insane with uh, three matchups against the Athletics, nine games against the Royals, three against the Diamondbacks, 10 games against the Tigers. 10 games against the Guardians, and 9 against the Twins, who I know is not quite on the list, but it's kind of an honorable mention there. Um, and in terms of the upcoming games for the White Sox, Cleveland, they do have a couple at cores, and then it goes Oakland, Kansas City, Texas, Kansas City, Texas, Kansas City, Detroit, and then one match or one series against the Astros, and then Cleveland and the Orioles. So, I mean, I know not all of those are like total target matchups, but if that's how you're going into the playoffs with, you know, a Giolito and hoping for a bounce back, I would absolutely bet on that and bet on a buy low. I know we've talked about Giolito on the past few shows, but um, this this one to me, Steve, seems like the pitching matchup to target rest of the season. Um, what are your thoughts on the White Sox and and any guys that you might be interested? Yeah, the White Sox have like the best remaining schedule. Uh, speaking of futures bets, um, I think the White Sox are a, a nice bet uh, to win the division, despite Tony Larusa being there and right. then being sort of a a laughing stock and rumors of the clubhouse being lost and all that. But this schedule is just too nice to pass up on. Um, I think they're going to make up some serious ground in the standings and have some good, you know, pitching results um, and offense too. I know we'll talk about that uh, in a second, but all those teams also are pretty bad at pitching as well. So the White Sox in general is a nice rule of thumb. Go after some White Sox, both pitchers and hitters, uh, for your stretch run matchups. Yeah, and I. I kind of wanted to check out uh, Johnny Cueto here, Steve, because I know it's kind of a, a laugh when you when you say it because just the age and how many times he's kind of like duped us, but just 47% rostered and on the season across 74 innings, a 2.8 ERA and a 118 whip. Uh, it's looked really promising, you know, similar numbers over the past month, not quite like a strikeout per inning but he's been able to go deep into games get some wins uh he he threw eight innings against the tigers he's gone six in three games around that eight inning performance so he's kind of eaten up some some volume and with this matchup coming up is cueto somebody that you would be interested in kind of streaming from here on in uh definitely um that is uh, a, a great target um, and it's sort of the perfect pitcher for, like, bad matchups, right? Like, Cueto 
can get you a handful of strikeouts. Like it's not going to be league winning or anything like that, but he's going to go deep into games. I think there's only been like one game where he didn't make it past the fifth inning, which is crazy for, you know, his age and just not being sort of what he was uh, and being just like this crafty veteran. But, um, I'm going to expect a lot of wins, some quality starts even because these offenses that he's facing are so bad. Um, and you know you pretty much would start him basically everywhere except for cores and versus the Astros. So like, yep. uh, he might not even line up against some of those teams, right? Uh, so it's a this is a great, great, essentially free in a lot of leagues. Uh, Back end streamer is a guy that you just sort of hold on to and could be like a, a, a Vargas rule type thing. Just the way the matchups play out, um, be a great add. Uh, long term like it's not just someone that you just stream with those matchups I could see holding him for basically essentially the the whole second half yeah totally agree and we will get to some of those White Sox uh, hitting opportunities and talk about teams with the worst pitching and kind of how that influences matchups and targets but first we're going to take a quick ad break and we will be right back Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, so Steve, other side of the baseball here. Talk us through some of the weak pitching teams from the spreadsheet, and uh, then we'll get into some some opportunities because of that. Yeah, um, so sort of the same thing. Um, I just used Sierra uh, on the Fangraphs team leaderboard. Um, probably my favorite uh, pitching indicator. Um, I think it's you know one of the more accurate ones uh, and it's a little more intricate than FIP or just XFIP that uses some league average stuff mm-hmm. um so on the season some of the worst pitching staffs by uh by Sierra uh are the Royals, Rockies, Diamondbacks, Nationals, A's, Pirates, Detroit, Cardinals, which is surprising, um Cincinnati and Baltimore, so a lot of bad teams there. Um the really the, the biggest one was your Cardinals. I, I'm I'm absolutely shocked, and that just goes to show that they Frankie really Montas, need to, man. They Frankie they Montas. they need a starter at the deadline. Uh, I've heard rumors that it's going to be Syndergaard, and I'm like, come on, man. Just uh, this yeah. is this is a window here. Go out and get Montas. The, they're still going to be on that list if that's their buy, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, a lot. Of, you know, it's crazy. I mean, not surprising, but it, it's pretty sad how many of these teams are also on the worst offense list. Uh, <laughs> right. There's just a lot of bad teams in baseball. Uh, um, but that's, again, another topic. Yeah, and, and the ones in the past 30 days look pretty similar as well, with the Rockies being the worst, 
then in order the Tigers, the A's, the Diamondbacks, the Pirates, the Twins, and then Texas, the Royals, Boston, which isn't a huge surprise with you know some of the health issues, just such a bummer with Sale and everything, and even uh, Brian Bayo is you know not been what we were hoping for and and getting an option and all that stuff. So the uh, the Reds are the last one on the list as well. So. That kind of rounds out that list. I think the only ones that really sneak in are Boston, Minnesota, and Texas. Um, yeah, Texas. That's list. why there's no. Uh, that's why there's no pitching. The pitching opportunity. They 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 stink. It's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at how we can target these uh, bad pitching staffs, we're going to talk through some hitters here, and the first one is the Angels. Talking about their their offense in more of a optimistic light here, Steve. But they have three games against the Royals, six against the Tigers, nine against the A's. Uh, their upcoming series are Atlanta, Kansas City, Texas, Oakland, Seattle, Oakland again, Minnesota, Seattle, and Detroit. So, I mean, after you get past the Braves, there, yeah. I, I know Seattle's got a little bit more in the bullpen and. You know Gilbert and Ray and everything, but I'll take that upcoming matchup. And in terms of in terms of players here, I thought one that that kind of jumped out was Luis Renjifo, who has eligibility all across the diamond. And Renjifo's kind of like got a little bit. I know you got to squint for for A's outside of Trout and Otani, but in July he's batting three fifteen. Granted, that's across 56 plate appearances. Um, but in, in general, for Renjifo, he doesn't strike out that much, just an 18% strikeout rate. This this guy could be kind of a stuff-and-things helper, like kind of a, a table setter. And you got to, again, get get in the weeds a little bit to see how it could turn out for you. But he does have five homers, three steals, Um I don't think you're really signing up for more than just like kind of a hot batting average run because he's, you know, he's got a little more spark than some of the other guys. And some of these matchups are so brutal. But that was like the only one I could pull out. Uh, the fact that he's batting anywhere from like six, they batted him lead off. Um, the past week is probably, uh, or his past like seven games, batting 438. Um, granted, it's super small sample size, but. That that was the only one that really jumped out at me. Is there is there anyone on the Angels you would look to kind of target um, beyond Renhifo? They're like the Rangers uh, of hitting, right? Like they have great matchups, but there's no one really to take advantage of. Like sure, Trout, <laughs> right. Matani, um, maybe maybe Taylor Ward. Uh, he's really cooled off since since basically May essentially. So okay. yeah. maybe someone gives up on him um, and could be a, a decent trade target. Um, but I, I really like the Renhifo call. Uh, he's started basically for the last month. He's he's played every game for them. Um, he his hard hit rate is up from last year. Um, his, his launch angle is up, which is nice. Um, it, it's nothing like amazing under the hood, but you know, a two fifty four xba to back up his two fifty nine average. It's not going to kill you, especially these days with how averages um so i like it uh it's a sneaky good ad uh 
could be a little bit more than a than a good uh, you know he could be a good mi in in deeper leagues and you know when he's running hot could be uh, an actual you know second baseman I know he's probably got some nice eligibility there um, he's played uh, basically all around the diamond uh, should have at least second base and shortstop in like Yahoo leagues. Yeah, Yahoo, he has second, third, short, and outfield. So nice, if you've nice. got a deep bench for offense, kind of plug him in on Sunday scratches and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think Renhefo is the name there. Maybe keep an eye on Joe Adele since he's he's back in the outfield. Um, but I, Trout, I think- should be ba- Trout should be back, I, I guess, Saturday, hopefully. Um, but who knows with what was a, a back tweak is now a rib injury. That's that's never good. But, yeah, yeah. Adele, something to keep an eye on. Yeah. So then back to the White Sox, as we were just talking about how they have kind of uh, good pitchers to target with Cueto and everything. And like you said, Steve, a lot of the, the teams are on this same list. They got three games against the A's, nine against the Royals, three against the Diamondbacks, ten against the Tigers. And, again, don't need to go through it all, but their upcoming matchups – they have the Royals, the Rangers, in for four series in a row, and on either side of that is the A's and the Tigers. So really good run here. Um, and keep in mind that the A's probably won't have Frankie Montas as well. So yep, that's a great you, point. Yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on White Sox hitters? I mean, take your pick because it's buy low on everything for the dumpster fire that's been the White Sox. But where are you seeing? Uh, hope on on the hitter side. Yeah, I mean, I would try to buy every White Sox hitter that I could. Um, Eloy, like you have here, uh, great buy low. I know there really hasn't been much, and there's been injury, and it's been seemingly like two years now of frustration with Eloy as far as injuries, and he just hasn't gotten hot like he, he was in 2019 and 2020, but he definitely still has the skill, so um, you could probably get him for 50 cents on the dollar, I would imagine. Um, but I would also try to target like, you know, Jose Abreu's like real life numbers are pretty good, but he's only got like 11 home runs. Um, Louis Robert has been a lot better recently, but still is probably a bit disappointing on the whole, although that by window is probably slammed shut with his performance over the last few weeks. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would trade for Andrew Vaughn. I would, you know target any white Sox hitters that i could and you know guys that are, are, are cheaper that you have listed here josh harrison aj pollock i think are, are great calls that are probably on your wire uh or could be had for very very cheap um and you know should be on the receiving end of uh, a, a lot of offensive explosions for the white Sox. this schedule is just by far uh the best remaining schedule for pitchers and for hitters so white Sox. Bye. There's your rule of thumb. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not too long ago when Harrison was really kind of a valuable piece with, like, the the Nationals. And, you know, he had a – in 2021, he he batted 294 when he was with the Nats and an 800 OPS. Um, And then he, you know, got moved to the A's, and it wasn't as productive, but – you know, we know, we all know who Harrison is, and he's again kind of just like a stuff and things guy. Like the slugs never too high, but it's kind of the same bucket as Renhefo. It's just these guys when you look at the matchups that they have, and they have a strikeout rate of like seventeen percent. You could see kind of a, a Stephen Kwan type of series where 
you're like, man, he did he really have like seven hits over three games? I wish he was mm-hmm. on my roster. Like these these are the ones very bottom of like a util or like a corner infield or something. Uh, Harrison similarly has second, third, short, and outfield eligibility in Yahoo, and he is completely free. Uh, Pollock has been dreadful, but we know that Pollock can go on insane runs, so that would be one where if he has like a big breakout game, I might be willing to roll the dice and just you know stream, see what happens with the matchups that are here. So, yep, with you there on the White Sox. Uh, talk about the Astros, Steve, because... They're, they're bats. There's a lot more room for speculation than pitchers, which is kind of, you know, universally rostered. But they have a, a healthy schedule as well from a hitting standpoint. Ten games left against the A's. They got eight games left against the Rangers. A nice series in there with the Tigers. And, yeah, this is one that you could probably find gold in the middle of a really good lineup um, with – really the the one of the top two or three hitting matchups rest of the season yeah definitely agree um and it just you know when a when a good offense like Houston and like the White Sox have these matchups like that's where these guys are going to pad their numbers uh it's going to come from a lot of these these juicy matchups and to have a backloaded schedule like this is, is such an advantage um you know, to 10 times, 10 games versus Oakland. Like, my God, like, what is their record going to be in, in those games? Like, is Oakland going to win one or two? And, like, the run differential going to be just, like, plus 80 in Houston's favor? Like, uh, that that's what it's shaping up to be, especially when, when Oakland does sell off whatever actual usable pieces they have left, Montas and whoever else is going to go. So, um, you know, to have – Eight versus Texas too. I, I I know they're not on the list, but they're not like world beaters or anything like that. They're in the middle of the road slash bottom third uh, of Sierra um, overall in the year. So um, I I think it's a great call. Sure, uh, you know you're not going to be able to get Jordan Alvarez or anything like that for for cheap or you know even at all. Um, but there's some there's some opportunities here, and I think uh, you could definitely take advantage of some some lesser rostered Houston hitters or some underperforming ones as of now. Yeah, I think Yuli Gurriel is the one that kind of jumped out just because he's only 44% rostered in in Yahoo League. So, you know, anything, you know, it's certainly available in 12 teams, probably available in like 14, 15 team leagues. And it's been lackluster in terms of like a season line for Gurriel batting 238 with a 680 OPS, but the past month batting 284 with a 765 OPS. And you'll take that when you, you, I mean, when you're seeing all these matchups coming up, you could see Gurriel going on one of those patented runs and he's still batting like fifth or sixth in that lineup. So I think Gurriel is a, a really good one. Again, it's, it's another one that doesn't offer ton and like pop and speed, but he'll chip in on homers and the average could take off. And then the other one is maybe Kyle Tucker. I know the kind of the homer speed has looked really solid on, on the year, but the past month he's batting just 233. There might be some people who are still waiting on Tucker to come around. Sure, you'd have to give up quite a bit for him, but, I mean, he, we could look back and say, like, post-All-Star break, 
no one is better than Kyle Tucker. No one would be surprised, especially with this matchup. So I think that would be worthy of, uh, you know, checking in with the manager or the Kyle Tucker manager and seeing if they're interested in, in offloading him there. So those are a couple names. I don't know about, you know, beyond that, I think the Astros are probably going to be in the market for an outfielder with like Jake Myers and, uh, who else they got out there? Like Chaz McCormick still? Jose Siri they run out there, yeah. Yeah, it's, it just seems like for for the World Series type of push, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought somebody in there. But I wonder if they, they bring up Pedro Leon, who's been absolutely on fire in, in the minors uh, the mm-hmm. last month or so. Uh, he got off to a really, really slow start. Um, but on the year, he, he it doesn't look great. Um, just 238, 378, 443, but it's a 109 WRC plus. He's got 11 homers, seven stolen bases, and um, I'm trying to pull up his splits, but they don't have it for for minors. But uh, he's been better recently. You'll just have to take me uh, on my word for it. He's 24, so um, there's really not much um, as far as like age development or anything that they want to keep him down. Um, so maybe keep an eye out there uh, if, if they do call him up and give him some run in the outfield. Yeah, that's a good Twitter search. Love love that. That could be the one that stands out uh, over guys like you know Josh Harrison and stuff like that. Uh, the last one on the list was the St. Louis Cardinals. And like we said, they've got one of the best lineups or, or schedules ahead. Another good futures bet, like you are saying, Steve. The 11 games against the Reds looks very favorable. Nine games against the Pirates, although it's worth noting that six of those games are the final series of the season, a very long series against the Pirates. I think that was kind of the makeup from some of the lockout stuff, which seems like it was ages ago. Um, And then they do have six against the Rockies as well. Uh, I believe three are at Coors, and then three after that are at Bush. But the honorable mention won seven games against the Nationals and 11 games against the Cubs. So plenty of games in there where you would expect the Cardinals to go off for eight-plus runs. So it definitely begs the question on a handful of names, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, Brandon Donovan, even like Lars Newbard, Corey Dickerson, potentially. Um, there's there's definitely potential for bats there. I'm, it's tough to make sense of who's going to emerge between like a Donovan, Newbar, and Dickerson. But I think Carlson has, has been someone who's been middling. And then Tyler O'Neill has been underperforming. So those are all just kind of names to keep in mind. And in terms of like their immediate upcoming matchups, it looks a little bit tougher before it's going to get better. So I think on this one, it's almost like set a calendar alert for August 15th and go buy up as many cards, bats as you can, because they've got the Reds, then they got the Blue Jays, Nationals, Cubs. So those are some pretty good matchups there. Then they got the Yankees and at Coors followed up by Milwaukee. So don't love the Brewers there with the Yankees, but after that, it's Rocky Road, and then it's uh, Diamondbacks and Cubs. So there's still plenty in there, but you know some soft matchups, a trip to Coors where some of the bats could go off. Um, but overall, what are your thoughts on, on Cardinals, Steve? Do any of those names kind of jump out at you? Um, I know 
Yepes is on the IL. If he comes back, that could be another good name for someone who's kind of a post-hype breakout even this season. But your thoughts on Cardinal hitters to target? Yeah, this is a schedule that rivals the White Sox. Like, it's White Sox and Cardinals as far as hitters go. Um, and the two names that jump out to me are Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson. Uh, O'Neill has been very disappointed. I have him in my home league. Um, as soon as he started to get going, he was hurt with that hamstring. But before that, he did have a 156 WRC plus and a 905 OPS in June in 48 at bats. So not the not the biggest sample, but you know when he came back from that shoulder injury, that yep. was probably a pretty clear explanation for the dreadful April and May. Um, he was really, really good. Unfortunately, uh, you know, he hurt the hamstring, then was hit on the wrist in the rehab assignment. Um, and, and there was some scary stuff there with that. It was like he had, you know, something came up on the MRI from just being hit on the wrist, but, you know, he only was delayed like a day or two. But, you know, it, it's still worth it, I think, to see if he could bounce back to that June performance, right, where he was sort of that Tyler O'Neill. Um that we were hoping for, um, you know, in in that small forty eight at bat sample, he had two homers, three steals, and was hitting three fifty four. So he was very much having a, a twenty twenty one Tyler O'Neill type month before that injury happened. So with that schedule, uh, I think it's worth it to see if you know the wrist is okay, the shoulder's okay. Uh, he could feast on some of these matchups. Carlson, you know, I, I see him in basically every league that I have, like on and off the wire. And, like, I think, you know, if you add him at the right time here, you might get lucky and, and hold on to uh, someone that has a lot of good matchups and is seeing some of those skills improve as we go on in the year. You know, he's starting to hit more fly balls. He was on our barrel raiser list from Q1 to Q2. Um, you know, it doesn't look great in the, the, on the year at just 4.8%, but uh, it's been a lot better in the past month, like 7-8%. Uh, so... Carlson, I think, is a, a savvy, uh, you know, cheaper acquisition probably than Tyler O'Neill, um, and I think uh, a lot of these Cardinals are going to have uh, pretty good second halves. Yeah, and it, it might be something for roto leagues, especially if if anybody kind of gives up on a, a Carlson, or if you know Lars Newbar goes on a tear like he has done in the past. Just knowing in roto leagues that the Cardinals end with six games against the Pirates, so yeah. yeah. If your head-to-head matchups go to the end of the year, uh, that's a great uh, team to stack up on. Uh, yeah, definitely. Man, that rounds us out, Steve. Um, a little bit shorter of a, a show, but uh, you know, targeted on on some matchups. I think it'll be really interesting. Not only the names we talked about, but just in general, if we see you know, the Eloy Jimenez or like the Giolito, some of the the White Sox, a team that just seems plagued this season. If this strength of schedule is going to basically pay dividends in, in fantasy, it will be interesting to keep an eye on it so that we can continue to evaluate if this is, you know, how much stock we want to put in this for next season, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the process, right? Like, you know, the results aren't always going to fo- follow, but... You know, in, in the long run, like if you stick with this, like you're going to be better off than not following this sort of stuff. So, like you said in the beginning of the show, you know, it comes with the caveat like that's baseball. That's why this game is fun. That's why fantasy baseball is fun. Like, you know, uh, 
the the Pirates could beat the Astros uh, three out of four or something like that. Um, but you know that's baseball, Susan. Uh, but in the long run, you're, you're going to win out if you if you pay attention to this sort of stuff, and you're going to have a leg up on on your league mates uh, overall. Uh, I think there's some really really good actionable stuff actionable stuff here, and you know some nice players to target and to keep in mind for both head to head and for roto leagues in the stretch run. Love it. Well, that's episode 65, guys. We made it through All Star break. Good luck on the elongated weeks on head to head to head. Uh, be sure to tune in to On the Wire on Sunday as well, Pitcherless Podcast Network, for your fab bids now that we're kind of in that home stretch. And yeah, man, this is, uh, this is it. We'll be here next Thursday, every Thursday through the rest of the season. And uh, Steve, I'm sure we'll be getting into crunch time on all of our playoff pushes and industry leagues and all that good stuff. But had a blast, man. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. Cannot wait for the second half. Thanks for listening, guys.